Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to another exciting episode of The Last Chapter with Michael Pemulus and Henry Jackal. So last week episode, uh, we talked about the first roughly half, a little less than half of the prelude to Alan Moore's Jerusalem. I guess this is probably a good time to mention we're discussing Alan Moore's Jerusalem for what will be many, many, many weeks because it's really long. It really is. Really, really long. Um, so today we're going over page 18. Well, I guess in my copy, you're starting on page 18 and ending Excellent. on 38. So like 20, 20 pages. So yeah. yeah. You know, it's yeah. funny. I like how you say, well, in my book, we talked about this last yeah, yeah. Uh, last episode too. Literally the same. 18 to 38. I think that's crazy. You should hold it up to the camera <laughs> so I can see, but no one else. I just oh. want to see the, how the print size. It has to be tiny. It It is ridiculously tiny. Oh, yeah. Yours yours is smaller. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for hey, you. It's, it's fine. I mean, I, I, it's fine. I could read it. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, yeah, mine's definitely larger than uh, than that. Yeah, that's, mine. that's pretty small. Yours is a uh, regular book. Yeah, I can try to hold up mine. You see, it just looks the same. Yeah, <laughs> from the, the camera. Yeah, so so um, so last time um, I won't go over too much of what happened in last time because. If I did that every week, it would take forever. <laughs> but uh, basically, we left off with um, Mick Warren uh, meeting his sister Alma in the bar, the Golden Lion. And Mick is concerned uh, because he thinks he's losing his mind. He got hit on the head and all these memories were uh, what he thinks might be memories. <laughs> are coming back to him. And uh, Alma, I guess it's already decided that she's out to lunch anyways. So <laughs> he's like, I guess I'll go talk to my crazy sister about it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what happened last time. Um, and then additionally, there was like a dream sequence that they kind yeah. of go over later. So, yeah. So um, what, what did you think of, of this, this section? What stood out? I honestly, when I started reading it, I'm like, is this the same book? Is this going to be like, are these characters even going to matter since it's the prelude? Because I, I was know. like, these people are just like the introduction to the boroughs. And I thought, okay, it's just going to be the boroughs. I'm curious if they're going to be, uh, if they're part of the main cast or just as people saying, oh, hey, we're going to go down this street because they do mention a bunch of streets as they're streets. walking down the, yeah. uh, the street. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So I have no idea. I I'm, I'm going to venture a guess that they remain somewhat central, um, but I don't know how, how central a character can yeah. be in a 1300 page <laughs> book. Um, but I will say, and I have to find it. So I think there was an important um, moment here. 
Let's see. So uh, Alma is like, she's deciding to make these paintings um, to, to like somehow fight back uh, what's overtaken the burrows. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to find, so it says, so Mick, this, he is Mick. So this is the end, very end of page 37. It said he hoped, now we're on page 38, her paintings would be good enough to do whatever she intended because what just happened to him was a demonstration of the force that threatened to eat everything they cared about. And other than his sister and her doubtful counter strategy, Mick couldn't think of anyone who had a plan. So there's this uh, this force mm-hmm. that is destroying the burrows mm-hmm. and... Uh, we kind of get like a little idea of what that is in a way. Um, it seems like maybe the burrows used to be more, I guess, lively or, or safe. And now it's kind of, um, it's kind of become this not great, uh, area (laughs) um so yeah so he earlier he's thinking about um just all this stuff that had like buildings had gone up and like have ruined the neighborhood um like historical things that have been destroyed to put up like apartments so I don't know if that's the force he's referring to, but it seems like the force is just, uh, I don't know. Land like development. The yeah, there you go. I was <laughs> like, what is it? It's in there. But you said planning development. Yeah. So it almost seemed kind of environmental, you mm-hmm. know, like, which, I mean, I could see Alan Moore writing a whole book yeah. on environmentalism at its heart. I don't know if that's where we're going, but, uh, it might, because I do recall you saying once that your brother had stated something about like this book was against capitalism. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he might actually be yeah doing that. Yeah. So I'm trying to find a. Let's see. So. Um. So I think there's a part here describing. He's yeah. I mean, there's lots of stuff describing the burrows. Oh, okay. So here's um. So okay, this is this is what I was looking for. So let's see where's a good place to start. So this is the bottom of page twenty-two. Um. So yeah, so kind of talking about capitalism uh, in a way. Uh, so at the bottom, it says, how long was it since there had been even a trace of the authentic working class if its conspicuous products were today unrecognizable as dodos? What happened to that culture? Other than those parts of which have been tempted up into the low boughs of the middle classes or drained off into the cardboard jungle, how had it all vanished so that th- these days, if they saw it, no one had a clue what they were looking at? Where had it gone? Why hadn't somebody complained? So it seems like people uh wealthier people have left the burrows 
and gone to like other neighborhoods and then the working class is gone and it's kind of just like this rundown poor area and yeah. and they suspect of I guess something evil is at the heart of that and Alma's going to make some paintings. It's the corporation. It's the yes. corporation. That's what it sounds like. Exactly. But yeah. Too soon is what I thought they brought up the paintings because I read the review of it and I was like, oh, they'll, they won't go right into the like them having the problem early on. Like them oh, bringing yeah, it yeah. up. Mm-hmm. So when they, <clears throat> the way he was telling, like, oh, yeah, all this stuff, I'm like, huh, it's already happening. Like, like I thought maybe we'll get more, um, how should I put it? Like, like the like process? The what? Like the process of her making yeah. the paintings? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like that. But they just like, oh, it's already done. You haven't seen it yet. But uh, all these dreams, and I was like, so Sherry painted them. Yeah. But we don't get to like hear the depictions until later on kind of thing. Yeah, so I'm I'm 100% in agreement with you. So I thought that I was with you. I thought the paintings mm-hmm. we could see them developed, I guess. Yeah. And, but like it kind of just where we basically left off after that it's like, you know, 14 months later or whatever, you know, it's yeah. like a year later. So I can't remember how, but it's, it's later. She's finished yeah. her, all of her paintings yeah. and she's having her show and Mick is on the way to the show. And yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, Oh, I guess she's done hmm. with them in the prelude. And I'm like, so what's the rest of the book? about? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I have another so. like, you know, 1300 pages here, you know, or <laughs> I guess a little, little less, yeah. but uh, uh, yeah, I was, I was pretty surprised too that, I, I mean, I mean, so I guess it goes back to your question of, of Alma and Mick, are they central? Mm-hmm. Um, or is it just going to be like, you read the whole book and then you get to the after part, the after loop, yeah. po- whatever you want to call it. Um, and then they're like, meanwhile, he finally sees a painting. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we finally get the description of yeah. what she painted. Yeah. That's actually, that's actually a really good, um, good question. Uh, cause yeah, I, I thought the same thing. Like, I guess the paintings are done. Yeah. I guess the, did she defeat the evil, whatever? I don't know. Guess we'll find out Yeah, next time as we keep reading. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I'm just going to kind of flip through here. Cause I, I actually wrote down way more than I realized. Um, which I feel like I didn't write enough because <laughs> I see your in uh, your your notes, and it's like sticky notes, sticky notes, sticky notes. My like, <laughs> well, a lot of every it's so like, pages. I said last time, um, you know, I was writing down all these like slang or terms I didn't know, mm-hmm. and I'm looking them up, and then I realized I didn't write down like parts I just liked, like the writing I like. Mm-hmm. So this time I was trying to be more conscientious of actually like marking things I liked. So, um, so just. Alan Moore being a great writer. Um, this stood out to me on page 20. Uh, he's talking about the Golden Lion, uh, the pub they're at. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it says, about them as they sat, the Golden Lion was steeping in the opposite of hubbub, 
anti-clamor dominated by the wall clock's mortal thud. The brightness of the bar shine fluctuated subtly at times as if the absences of all the missing customers were milling through the room, brown and translucent like old celluloid, occasionally overlapping with enough of their fly-specked non-bodies to occlude the light, if only imperceptibly. I love that, those two sentence, <laughs> sentences. I mean, like, um, these kind of ghostly uh, people who aren't yeah. there, uh, like being old celluloid as like, dang. Okay, okay, Alan, I, I <laughs> see you, I see you. <laughs> Um, very well uh well the script yeah I mean, that's, the kind, that's the kind of stuff i just like i definitely like gobble up i'm like yes mm -hmm. give me more of that <laughs> <laughs> like i think it's great um and then i think that another one uh so yeah so again at the bottom of page 20 um so so worry I'm sorry. They they both call each other Worry. Mm -hmm. uh, so Mick is, has told Alma his problem, and Alma tells him that basically he has like an original idea, and now he's worried that he's going insane. And he, ha I think she says, your problem worries. You have an idea, and you think it's cerebral hemorrhage. Um, so the part I liked right after that is uh, says listening to her spooling out impractical and transcendental picture mm -hmm. concepts concepts like a hyperventilating tipper, ticker tape he felt the weight lift from him floating in a sweet and putrid lager fart <laughs> to dissipate beneath the starry vast obsidian pudding bowl of closing time inverted and set down upon the burrows as though keeping flies away i mean that's just more great imagery yeah. i know last time i was talking about like how everything's a simile and that continues to oh yeah I mean, <laughs> uh we have a ticker tape, a hyperventilating, hyperventilating ticker tape. It's hard to say. Uh, we have a floating putrid logger fart, a vast <laughs> obsidian pudding bowl. I mean, there's, there's a lot just in yeah. that. So, I mean, he, he clearly has a, he's got a thing for the similes. And I can respect that. You know, is there anything that stood out to you as far as uh, his writing goes? Well, as the writing goes, he got down the, he really, what I wrote down was here, he more captured doubt and sorrow really well on page 37. I think I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Is that, uh, is that where uh, he's talking about love and Kathy? And yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, <laughs> I agree. I was like, <laughs> you can read that wow. if you want. I was, um, yeah, I, I marked that too. I'm trying to, okay, I'm trying to figure out where it starts. He tried to raise a flutter of resistance to the irrefutable awareness that pressed down upon him, tried to summon all the arguments that he was sure that he'd once had against this hopeless blackness love, his love for kid, for Kathy and the kids that had not been, sorry, I cannot read, that had been one of his pr protective mantras. He was certain except love just made things crueler. And then he gave you so much more to lose, which is often true. One partner dies first, then the other spends their final years alone and crushed. I know, that uh, was super yeah. heavy. <laughs> yeah, I was like, out of the gate, more. I know. Prelude, you got, you hit it right on the money. That's how I think it would feel. 
Um, yeah. yeah, and then uh, yes, yeah, so, and then it gets. I mean, it gets. He keeps going. He says, "An all so short seventy years or so with him near fifty now. That's twenty years, assuming that you're lucky. Less than half of what has already slipped by." And Mick felt certain that these final decades would flash past with grim rapidity. I'm like, dang, that got really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. You're what yeah. if you fall in love, someone's gonna die first, and then you'll be sad. That's what that's the truth. And, you know, you'll spend like sadness alone yeah. in all those years. Yeah, that was uh I was like, thank you, thank you for that. <laughs> you, you did it uh, so well, Alan Moore. It, it uh I think um so yeah, so there's a yeah, it, there's a part actually before that that's uh that's equally bleak. Um, it's on page 36. I think I'm uh, talking so about. He's talking about. So Mick's just going through some stuff. It seems mm-hmm. like, I'm like, dude, you kind of rough. Um, it says, despite the speed with which the wave of smothering depression was upon him, Mick was not aware of its arrival and was instantly convinced that was now roiling like toxic fumes inside his mind had always been his point of view his usual op- optimism, nothing but a fraud, a flimsy tissue behind which he had hid from what he knew was the inevitable truth. There was no point. There was no point, and there had never been a point to all this grief and graft and groveling to be alive. I mean, that's it gets it keeps going, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Again, like oh, all right. The funny part is once because uh, I also had a note sticking there, which I really liked how he worded this, that we all stopped being who we were. We just shut down that, and there was nowhere that we got beamed up to after that. No heaven, hell, or re- reincarnation as a better person. I was like, that's that's how I feel. That's what I wrote. <laughs> on my That's how I genuinely feel. Like, there's no heaven, hell, or reincarnation to be a better person. It's just Again, quoting from the book, there was only nothing after death and nothing else, um, nothing else but nothing. And for everyone, the universe would all be gone the moment they had exhaled their final breath. And it gets like darker and darker, just as though they and it were never there. And I was just like, wow. He like <laughs> that, that got really heavy. Um, yeah. I mean, especially I think like. I, the part of the very end that you just read, um, nothing else but nothing. And for everyone, the universe would all be gone the moment they exhale their final breath. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, dang, really dark. Yeah, if that doesn't make you like think, I gotta like live my life <laughs> to the fullest, <laughs> gotta be more positive now. Yeah. I mean, you know, especially like you know, we're we're young, um. But, you know, and later in the next paragraph, he's talking about how once you get older, you can't do all the things you want to do. And I'm like, yeah. I guess uh shouldn't waste my time here, man. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty brutal. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, uh, uh, what did I, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I think that like spoke to me also in, in a, in a, I don't know, like a depressing quarter life crisis sort of way. <laughs> like you're like, oh, what does this all mean? Why are we here? 
Um, I'd be interested to know because I, I don't. I, I, I don't really know. I don't think Alan Moore is particularly religious. I don't. I mean, I don't, he's a wizard. He obviously well, that, that, he has religion. I mean, um, yeah. So I don't. I'm just kind of curious. I wonder what his. Because um, I guess what I'm saying is I don't want to read too much into this because this clearly likes like mix thinking, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of. I'm wondering. I just out of curiosity. I wonder if if Alan Moore, if he does believe in like a, an afterlife or something, or if or if this is more his thinking. I don't really know. I guess we don't know. He says he declared himself a devotee of Glycon, preferring the belief is a hoax deity because he is not likely to start believing that Glove Puppet created the universe or anything dangerous like that. Hmm. I have no idea what Glycon is, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that was, I think, um, I mean, one of the darker, probably the darkest passage. Um, there's another part I I liked on page 30. Um, it's at the bottom. And so this is, again, talking about, like, the burrows um, not being in the greatest of shape. So a little before, he had talked about um, some as I said, some apartment buildings go up. Uh, there's Beaumont court and Claire Claremont court. Um, and he calls them tall Cray brother forms. So I had to look up who the Cray brothers were, but they were, you I guess, didn't like, know the Cray brothers. Yeah. I didn't know. I guess they're organized. They London's. Yeah. Yeah. London's gangster brothers, twins. Dang. See you, you know more than me. So <laughs> apparently, apparently, uh, these, uh, these high rises went up, um, and so actually I'll read some of that too, because I kind of like it. So it says easily impressed the soon to be dispersed folks of the boroughs at all ood and odd about what they mistook for space age pizzazz of the 12 story heaps, failing to understand the high rise blocks for what they were two upended and piss perfumed sarcophagi that would replace the tenants back wall badinage and summer doorstep ideal ideals with more vertical arrangements thin air isolation and the tension rising with each number lit up in the climbing after curfew lift a suicide's eye view of what had been, to, been done to the territory around them. That was inescapable. Um, so yeah, so basically these two buildings kind of represent like the changing of the boroughs. Um, people used to sit around and have conversations and sit on door doorsteps and talk about things. And now it's like, uh, these giant sarcophagi, you know, of uh, just like imprisoning people. I mean, it's pretty bleak. Um, and then, so at the bottom, this is what I was getting to originally. It says, if you had a population that were miserable and restless because they had nowhere bearable to live, then the preferred solution seemed not to be spending money on on improving their condition, but on hiring more police in case things should turn ugly. Housing these new myrmidons is proper sorry housing these new myrmidons and properties from which the itchy and disgruntled manherds were already serendipitously purged so uh again rather than invest in the community they invest in a larger police force yeah a larger police force then uh lives in these high rises um and then the quote disgruntled manherds are <laughs> pushed uh pushed out and uh 
are probably homeless or poor. So I think, I mean, if just kind of breaking it down, uh, the boroughs has seen uh, better days, apparently. Better days, yeah. So it seems like there were there were politicians and businessmen uh, thought putting in these new buildings and and packing more people in uh, would be helpful. And then crime went up, and instead of actually looking at the problem and investing in the area, they put more police in there. And now it's kind of just it's not in great shape anymore. Which, I mean, honestly, I think that could... I mean, I've never been to Northampton, um, but I think this could... This easily relates to a lot of, I mean, urban mm-hmm. cities everywhere. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah. And yeah. almost going to fight it with painting. So, you know, there yeah. we go. It makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> totally. You um, Instead of throwing police force, you should just do paintings of it and yeah. people get outraged and... Use exactly. that art to bring out their frustration on whatever they're going to be writing about her. Right. And <laughs> I, I think there is something, um, I guess, nice about the idea of art, like uh, being like the thing to like change the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it can, I think in this immediate instance, uh, they'd have, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to believe that maybe her paintings will be enough, but, uh, you know, I guess it's a, it's a, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, I, I still want to know what the painting is. Like, what are these paintings? What, what did she yeah. paint? I mean, what it, is so, so the paintings are these memories or visions that Mick has. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing that some of the visions will be some of the 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 chapters later. Maybe we figure it out. Because um, I do, I do know one of the ones she does. So the prelude, I guess never, the, yeah. the prelude is called "Work in Progress," and "Work in Progress" is the name of the painting. Alma chooses to do of her own dream, the dream that we discussed last time with the the burrows, yeah, yeah, and the three burrows. Um, so she's 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 made that one. It's the name of the prelude. Um, so I'm guessing maybe some of the later chapters will be some of the names of the other works. That's that's all I'm I could think of. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, it got a, it got a little it got a little heavy here, a little dark. <laughs> Yeah, it did. And I'm I'm pretty sure you loved it because we both I did. <laughs> <laughs> the books you've been reading are like very that is, depressing. That's an excellent point. I was like, yes, yes, more of this. Um oh so I guess we kind of forgot to mention. So there is a, a slightly uplifting point. Uh this this kid just like Slight. or like 18, 19 year old kid just kind of runs you know, <laughs> up to Mick and like freaking out and he's like uh he's like speaking gibberish and uh and I think he says like uh he was like in the in the ceiling or in the corner or mm-hmm. something. And for some reason that resonates with Mick because he felt like he was like in the ceiling. So I'm not sure what that was all about. Well, I think Mick actually knows him a little because he kept saying yeah. like I 
I recognize this kid. He's like, it's okay. I've been with you, Ben. Like, they're doing it yeah. again. I'm like, what is he? Th-? And I kept going back to the previous page. Like, what? What is he referencing? What is yeah, happening? Yeah. And then I figured they'll most likely explain what happened to him later on because there's no way Alan Moore, or maybe he could just leave that in there and not and not have it go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, there has to be something. I, I don't know how we know each other. My weird brain, of course, went to like, maybe it's Mick when he was younger. Yeah. Or, like, <laughs> or something. But yeah. I feel like you recognize yourself. Um, But he does like encourage this kid. He's like, hey, man, just go have like a smoke in the park and, you know, yeah. take time. And he's like, oh, okay, thanks. But yeah, he says, uh, uh, some page yeah, says, yeah, on, well, I was looking on 33. So, mm-hmm. Mick says, up in the roof? Yeah, I've had that. Like when there's people in the corners trying to pull you up. The youth looked dumbstruck with his pink-rimmed eyes wide and his mouth hung open. All the panic and confusion fell away from him, replaced by something that was almost disbelieving. Awe as he stared, suddenly transfixed at Mick. Yeah, up the corners. They were reaching down. So like, there's some connection, and I don't know if like, it's, I mean, I'm not sure what's going on with him. What what's? But he's like, kind of freaking out <laughs> he's really concerned what happened in the roof of that pub i know <laughs> <laughs> right oh man it's, it was when i read it i honestly did not think about him meeting himself i just thought like maybe whatever happened to him was trying to get at mick but Right, Since they couldn't get him entirely. They went after this teenager with no name, as far as I can remember. Yeah, I mean, I I thought like maybe, um, and this could be like completely off, but I thought maybe like there was, I don't know, just them both like talking about like them up in the roof. Like I kind of got like a maybe like a schizophrenic hmm. vibe or like mental illness where he's. I'm not really sure it's happening or it's actually happening. That's the other mm-hmm. thing. Like, I'm not really sure if Alan Moore at this point in the book, whether like these visions people are having, like something's like something is like giving them these visions or if these are just their own, like their own mind, you know, mm-hmm. playing these tricks on them. But there, I, I am interested to see why they're one, why that kid's in there. Into what the connection is between uh, him and Mick. If I don't get an answer, I'll actually be kind of annoyed. I'm like, hey, wait a second. You said you after, knew that. Kid. After 1299 yeah. pages. So like, I'll remember. the kid again. Yeah. Like, what? No. <laughs> um, I did think it's funny. Uh, the next page over, Alan Moore. I feel like, I feel like this is like an Alan Moore insert. He complains that uh, it's hard to know who's crazy anymore because everyone's talking into their bluetooth i was like yeah. that's such, that's such like an old man <laughs> like, <laughs> like um i thought that was kind of funny and it's funny because it's true I, yeah I, it's i've true. done that a couple of times like hey like you're talking to me like they look at you like you're the crazy one like oh, you're just talking out loud my friend so yeah i also um uh i i i can't stand when people do like the the headphones and then they like talking to their phone. <laughs> I can see what I'm doing, but like you yeah. hold your phone in front of you, like like I don't know, drives me insane. I'm like hold your phone to your ear. Like I don't 
Maybe I'm obviously. Old. Uh, we're both old fashioned because I yeah. find that annoying. Um, and then like also keeping it real for the kids. Uh, Alan Moore mentions uh, Grand Theft Auto at some point, which mm-hmm. I thought was a. Uh, I mean. That was something. I didn't think Grand Theft Auto. Sure he has a uh, stock in Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, I was trying to find where he uh, he mentions it because it's so like you're like what did he just talk about Grand Theft Auto? This book has it all. Uh, <laughs> That's funny because I honestly, when I read that too, I'm like, what? This guy just throws out a uh, a random reference. Random reference. To, you know, right here, uh, page twenty six. I'm glad you found it. I was going the wrong way. <laughs> going further and further. Yeah, it says uh, the thing that annoys me about his writing, or maybe it's because this book is really small print. I can never st- know when the per the sentence start. Yeah, but there's, there's a lot of commas, and I'm trying to find the period. <laughs> the whitewater driving by. Some neato, fabulous crash dummy who bled Burberry shooting the traffic island rapids in his hot-wired kayak home to Jimmy's end across the river in the west. Head full of Grand Theft Auto, San Andreas, and horse tranquilizer. (laughs) I'm thinking this guy's like really, the guy who's doing it, like he's high off horse tranquilizer, assuming he's in San Andreas. Yeah, so and I, I thought like that that sentence is crazy to me. Like it's it's not even really a a sentence. It kind of just starts. Mm-hmm. Um so I think in that scene sort of there's a car accident. I think that's what happens, but like yeah, like mm-hmm. you're saying the the driver uh has his head full of Grand Theft Audio audio, audio. Also, and uh and he's like hi. That's that's yeah. really all I got out of but like the <laughs> The crash crash dummy who bled Burberry. So I'm I'm guessing he's like kind of a I don't know a yeah a, a fancy youngster. I don't know like a young hip person who's high yeah. and crazy. Like that's all I could. Is yeah. I read that yeah. sentence like four times. I'm like, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> uh, that's I feel like that was the first time I've been like actually 100. percent utterly confused <laughs> by his like by his writing his, like, I, I don't think that's a sentence like it just like it just starts yeah. it just goes but you know that's fine it's, it's yeah, fine it's, uh... that was definitely interesting uh the grand theft auto reference um i did like uh so he uh so going back to the kids, so the on page thirty-four, Mick can't really stop thinking about um, how the thing about the roof, like the people reaching out of the roof or whatever, um, and and he starts thinking about synchronicity, and I guess like you you don't see how things relate to each other, mm-hmm. um, how how seemingly unrelated events could relate to each other. So he's thinking about that because he's thinking, so maybe I know this kid or maybe somehow there's like this synchronicity going on. But what I liked about that concept is like, I was like, I don't know what that means, but he actually broke it down um, in, in a really interesting way. Uh, it says Mick had an image in his mind of Koi Carp 
gazing upward from the bottom of their pool to see a bunch of waggling human fingers dipping through the ceiling of their universe. The fish would think that it was several separate and unusually meaty bait worms, could have no idea these unconnected wrigglers were all part of the same unimaginable entity. So I thought that was like, that was like a perfect example of, of the concept mm. of like, you know, obviously the person reaching in knows like, oh, these fingers are a part of my hand, part of me. I'm this one thing. But to the fish, it's like, oh, here's these like four separate things and you don't see how they relate. So I thought that was like, it made me feel smart because I didn't know what synchronicity <laughs> was. And then he's like, here, here, stupid one. Let me give you the perfect picture. And I was like, oh, thanks, Alan. <laughs> that really helped. When I read it, I was just like, he's making up words. That's not a real <laughs> word. <laughs> and I just continued on. I was like, ah, Alan Moore, classic. But, you know, I mean, it, it is kind of funny. I mean, Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but as we keep going and I think as we are introduced to more characters and we're like, what the heck does this have to do with anything? <laughs> I think, you know, maybe there's synchronicity. There you go. You know, yeah. They're all a part of this burrows home. They're all a part of the burrows. They're all part of the history of the burrows. You know, we just haven't seen the full picture yet. Wow. Hmm. Feel really smart. Yeah, that's, that's great. Mike, <laughs> drop. <laughs> <laughs> um as i say only you know 30 pages in but you know <laughs> already figured out the book what are you talking about i don't gotta read this anymore yeah it's, it's done it's all about synchronicity yeah <laughs> um, so yeah i thought at some point i thought he mentioned the destructor he but, did oh did he okay i'm not crazy yeah. so i'm trying to find i think it's towards the end because the destructor i think is the I guess symbol of all this depravity and like yeah things going wrong, but I can't find it because it's really um, he doesn't make a big deal out of it. I thought he'd be like the destructor, but like he kind of just mentions it and goes on. Um, let's see, let's see. I always feel bad when we're both like looking for something. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, I'll I didn't. Keep, uh, I'll keep some well, people entertained. So, yeah. how are y'all doing, folks? Uh, <laughs> 50 50, yeah, good. How are you liking the dead air for a second since we're trying to <laughs> both find the destructor uh, reference? But as you look at that, as I was reading, um, I wrote down a note saying that a lot seems to happen to Elma and Mick for whatever reason. I should have been more descriptive when I read it, wrote it. But everything vanished. People, places turned into painful shadows of their former selves. Then and then were put to sleep, just like the burrows have been. Hmm. And I, when I kept reading that, I was like, huh, these guys know what they're talking about from experience, but through all this whole... Uh, what is it, prelude? Yeah. They, it seems like they've been through a lot with Mick getting blinded, and then uh, they made a little reference to him choking on a cough drop yeah. thing, and then... Oh, she and she gets, like, almost kidnapped. That yeah. was another thing yeah, that, like, that was... That I was, was like, just, what? Like, how do you almost get kidnapped? Yeah. Like, what happened? Did she, like, fight, and then it just kept... Yeah, that's, like, just kind of 
casually mentioned uh, that yeah. when she was seven, she was like almost kidnapped, and then yeah, and she screamed, and I was like, Oof. <laughs> oh my yeah, god, <laughs> a lot. That's why I wrote that because it's right here. Yeah, the reduced since mixed day where the man and woman had once tried to drag his sister into their black car. When she was seven, she screamed, and they let her go. And I was like, "My goodness, man!" Yeah, I have no idea where they mentioned the destructor, but I think we'll see more of it. But I guess that's like, like I said, the symbol of the 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 evil and like the I guess everything going you know going bad for them. I don't know. It's very interesting. Um. But as I was looking for the destructor, I feel like I saw something. Um, you saw him. You saw the destructor. Yeah, I saw the destructor. <laughs> um, so I, I did find this interesting. Um, so on page thirty-seven, there he's he starts his mind is kind of wandering and he starts thinking of. Uh, actually, it's right where you're you're reading. You're reading that everyone went away. Everyone vanished. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So after that, um, he's thinking about the name, the burrows itself. And uh, I just like it's the burrows, one place with a plural word describing it. What was that all about? Nobody even knew why it was called that. Some suggesting that the name could be spelled burrows. So he spelled a B-U-R-R-O-W-S in that case. Uh, for its nest of streets seen from the air, for its inhabitants who bred like rabbits. What a load of bollocks. People like his grandparents may have had six or seven kids, but that was only so that they had some who reached adulthood. It was always a bad sign when better off types drew comparisons between unsightly ghetto populations and some animal or other, most especially those species that we had reluctantly to poison pre- periodically. Why didn't people keep their lame excuses to themselves? So again, this kind of class division going on um, where it's like, hey, don't compare us to rabbits. <laughs> That'd be a good idea. Um, but then also, like, I mean, there is something to... Uh, you know, reluctantly, you have to poison periodically. I mean, it seems a little extreme, but there are, you know, like a lot of really not great areas, you know, um, mm-hmm. I guess slums or ghettos. They do have like, it's, you know, been found that they have more like industrial waste, you know, in those yeah. areas. And, and, and it's like, it actually can affect people's health people can live shorter lifespans so like it's he's kind of tongue-in-cheek here but also like not like i i'd be interested to know like um you know northampton the boroughs in this time um i mean was there a lot of sickness was there a lot of waste was there a lot of pollution um i would guess probably probably a lot of pollution going on so um I feel like everything, like he, he does do this thing where he kind of like joke and then you think about it and you're like, that's not actually very funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of bad. Um, it is Alan Moore. He, it is Alan Moore. That's true. Uh, but good, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, I think I might be about tapped out. I'm kind of looking through. Did you have any more notes? I feel like uh, maybe you did. I. Let me see. I wrote one about. Uh, I liked how he said that a truth, like, quite as a question, like, why would I want the truth? I was just making conversation, worry. I weren't asking for that illad. And I was like, hi. 
it adds that prolonged story to the Odyssey. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he didn't want that long explanation. I, no. I like that. That's a good comment. But as of right now, I'm like still looking for that destructor. Yeah, I know. Um, I know he they mentioned it, right? I'm not crazy. Because yeah. I, yeah, I feel like... Uh, um, so going on about kind of... Uh, kind of more of like environmentalism aspect. Uh, let's see. There's a part where... It basically, I think what he's saying is like nature is like still hidden beneath um, the concrete and the the buildings and everything. So there's one forced tree or maybe a close planted pear stretched up out of the mound in silhouette against the sodium lamp bleed above the nearby station. Trees were the enduring features of a landscape. It's true face beneath the pantomime dame crust of leisure center and dual carriageway cosmetic affectations wiped away intervals. The oak and elm define the view across great tracts of time were vital structural elements, constant as clouds, and like the clouds, mostly unnoticed. So, we gotta pay more attention to our trees. That's gotta save the trees. Um, I feel like that's uh, everything in general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, save the trees, yo, or else we're all gonna die without oxygen. I mean, I think it, it, it kind of goes back to his, uh, I mean, the environmentalism in Swamp Thing, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that comic is largely about, like, you know, saving the environment. So something I think he, he thinks about um, at least fair amount because he's talked about it. Yeah. He has quite a bit. Um, I found it. I don't know if you got, when you you were in the middle of a, of that, I was like, Oh, found it. And then I was like, I'll just send it to him in the private chat. Oh, I didn't even see that. I don't think it's set. Um, (laughs) But I found it. She, uh, the mention was um, the business that you saw when you were with the gang of dead kids, the destructor and all that. That's what we're up against. Alma is telling Mick about. What page is that on? 21, sir. It's like in the middle. Yeah, see, I was like, never going to it. <laughs> you kept going too kept forward. Going yeah. Further, further back, yeah. And I just kept going back and back. And I'm yeah. like, I know I've seen it. And then sure enough, they talk about the gang of dead kids. And that's, that's what they're up to get with. So where where, up is against. The, where is it on twenty? It's in the middle, towards the middle. The business that you saw. Oh yeah. And then that's why I better make these uh, paintings great to change the world before it's all completely exploded, deleted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that so that's the you're right. So again, I'm hoping we get some ex- explanation. I don't know who the gang of dead kids were. That's kind of an odd thing to say mm-hmm. and uh and the destructor I means she says that's what we're up against so uh so that's clearly the antagonist somehow it's somehow ruining their yeah. lives and the lives of the burrows i want to talk about who he is or she is i think it's a wealthy tycoon of some kind because it makes sense the rich tycoon buying up the boroughs, sending all the rich people somewhere else, but he's destroying after he's letting all these people stay here, then he takes them away, so he's destroying the destructor. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I think there's probably something to that. I don't... I mean, I'm curious to know if it'll be like an actual person, kind of like what you're saying, Mm -hmm. or if 
it's more of like a I don't know, like a like a systemic thing, you know, like like I wonder if at the end of it, it's gonna be like, well, this is just how the world is. You know, like I, I'm kind of wondering if it's gonna have some sort of bleak, like you know, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. Yeah. And I think that's most likely what's gonna happen. Everything is awful. Like that could be the yeah. <laughs> that's the gist of it right there. <laughs> and oh, then I'll yeah. finish that and I'll be like, that's perfect. That's a perfect ending. And then I'll be like, This is fault in our stars. Fault <laughs> in our stars. Let me down. You let me down, Alan Moore. Uh, and you know, it's so funny because I mean, it is funny how, like, if that's the ending, I would be like delighted. I'd be like, it's perfect. And you're like, no, I need more. What does this mean? And then I'll track down Alan Moore and be like, what does this mean? It's a good idea. Invite and him on that uh, podcast. Yeah. And then he'll uh, convert me to Gly- Glycon, whatever yeah. religion he's in. I'm okay. like, yeah, sure. Why not? And then we can uh, try to understand what he's saying in his deep, mm. deep voice. Deep British voice. Deep British voice. Well, I think that's all I have. I think this is a very, uh, very good, lively discussion. Lots to, to mm-hmm. think about. And next time we're going to read at chapter one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll finally start this is awesome. the actual book. Yeah, I mean. I think it's about... I- 20 pages so i i don't i don't think we need to split it up i'm, I'm pretty yeah, comfortable 20 pages. 20 pages i think that should be fine um so we'll do all of chapter one next time and uh <laughs> and thank you for listening and hopefully uh this has been somewhat helpful i think we're probably just as confused as you are if if you're reading along we're like oh i don't know if <laughs> Now, if he's confused, then that makes me, I'm completely lost. (laughs) (laughs) I think there will be answers. I think there will be some answers. I hope so, because, again, I'd be very disappointed if that was like, oh, this is how these characters mean nothing. All this, all that prelude is nothing. There's nothing connecting. There's no sing. I can't even say it. Synchronicity? Hey. Synchronicity. I like it. (laughs) The uh, the opposite of Don DeLillo. <laughs> he everything's connected for Don DeLillo. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening, and we'll be back next time with chapter one. And I am Michael Pemulus, and this is Henry Jekyll. Henry Jekyll. We are the last chapter. Thank you. Thank you. Dun dun dun.